Mic test, one, two.
Alright, mic test one, two. I'm showing stereo both sides on the well, webcast. Maybe it's my end. Hang on. I don't know. Don't know. Don't stop. Everybody out there, if you're uh, listening on WBCQ International Shortwave Station, 7490 kilohertz, you're listening to the pre-show music for Amateur Radio Roundtable. It's a show about ham radio. We're going to start in about 10 minutes, so uh, stick around and join us. And uh, we, uh, we're glad you've uh, tuned in tonight. And uh, if you'd like to tune in just and watch the video show, you can. And we even have a chat room where you can talk directly with us. Uh, you can go to on Tuesday nights now. Let me let me preface this on the show is on Tuesday nights between 9 and uh, 10 30 p.m. Eastern time on W5KUB.com. If you're listening, I almost forgot. If you're listening on shortwave, you're listening on Thursday afternoon from 5 to 7 p.m. So we'll be back with you in just a few minutes. Now, one thing, Tom. Coast. 
All right. Uh, hello out there, everybody. Welcome. This is Amateur Radio Roundtable. It's a show about ham radio, amateur radio. We're glad you're with us tonight. And if you're out there listening on uh, world-famous international shortwave station, WBCQ, on 7490 kilohertz, uh, we're glad you're with us tonight as a shortwave listener. Uh, many of us uh, got started uh, listening to shortwave, just like you're doing tonight. And, uh, uh, hey, it was, it's, it was a fun fun part of the hobby, and uh, we just carried it a little further into uh, ham radio. So if you're, listening, if you're uh, interested in ham radio, uh, stick with us tonight. We've got... Uh, We've got a guest on. We're going to talk about restoring some vintage equipment. We're going to talk about lightning protection. Uh, and uh, I've got four or five other things that we're going to talk about tonight. Uh, but uh, again, you're watching. It's Tuesday night here. The live show is Tuesday night from 8, uh, from 8 o'clock to about 9.30 uh, Central Time. And it's on W5KUB.com. W5KUB.com. Hey, if you're out there, uh, send us an email. Let us know where you are. We'd love to hear from you, especially if you're listening on shortwave. Send that email to tom at w5kub.com. Also, if you would, uh, subscribe to our YouTube channel. I'm going to help you out a little bit right there. That should tell you general direction of where that subscribe button is. Uh, please hit that subscribe button, and uh, that helps us out a lot. Hit the, hit the notify button. Uh, hit the like button. All those things help us uh, to to get uh, YouTube to help uh, promote our show and uh, get it out to more and more people there. Uh, if uh, if you're a person that just listens to the show, we're on just about every uh, we're on, we're on about every podcast out there. This uh, graphics uh, is old. It, uh, it I can't put any more on here, but uh, we're out there on iNet Radio, Google Play. Uh, iTunes, we're, we're out there everywhere, so you can download or you can just listen to the show at any time you, you want to there. Uh, again, um, listen, uh, if you're listening out there on WBCQ, there's a there's a nice shot of their new antenna up there uh, in Monticello, Maine. And uh, uh, I would imagine they've got some snow up there tonight, just like that picture shows here. So we're back, uh, and uh, man, we're gonna, we've got a good show for you tonight. Uh, stick in here with us. And... Um, Let's see. Let's uh, let's just jump around the room real quick. Um, I tell you what. Let's uh, let's get Glenn first. Glenn, can you uh, can you come on, Glenn, and pop in here? Yeah, I'm here. Let's see if I can get Glenn. There's Glenn. Okay, Glenn. So what is new down in Mississippi? Oh, wait, wait. Well, wait a minute. Wait. I I I, I pronounced it wrong. It's Mississippi. It's Mississippi. <laughs> Mississippi. What's what's going? What's new down here in Mississippi? Oh, not a whole lot. You know, we're still 10 years behind you, you know, but we're catching up. Well, you're, you're doing pretty good, man. You're, you're, you're catching up. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, hopefully yeah. I'll be switching over to my new higher speed internet soon. I've got uh, a nice new T-Mobile uh, wireless connection here that runs right around hundred something meg. So I'll be switching to that soon. Well, that's um, good, man. You'll probably see him popping in and out, but the new cat has acclimated and has taken over the desk. Oh man! So <laughs> I don't know how you I don't know how you're gonna deal with that, man. You know um, they're gonna take over. It's, it's like following three Shetland ponies now. Yeah, they eat like it and they fill the litter box like it. So I, I imagine I, I'd, I'd hate they, to be I'd hate to be the one to have to carry the litter box. That I think you need a wheelbarrow probably. Pretty much, but nah, oh, he's. Man. 
he's really settling in. He's, they've done great. Everybody's happy and playing and whatnot now. Only took him a week. And uh, so he's he's just having a blast. He's just right here at my side, just off camera, but he'll be he'll be on before you know it. <laughs> he hadn't right. learned he hadn't learned his spot yet. But uh, I am firing up the Arduino lab this week, getting cool. it cleaned off. And now that it's gotten cold and I can't do stuff outside, um, you know, I'm finally starting to get stuff done. So I All should right. have some projects cranking out next week or so all right well that'll be good we're looking forward to uh seeing them there let's jump out to where where is brett is it is it montana are you out there brett where are you it is wyoming oh I'm wyoming inside. why do i get montana and wyoming mixed up all the time man uh, they're next to each other yeah i guess so man. South. um it, it's it's katie uh, katie allen who's a little bit yep. closer to Montana, she's up. She's up in North Central Wyoming. So. I think she's in Sundance. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So she, uh, but here in southeastern Wyoming, winter has arrived, and uh, we can. I'm glad I got everything done last week because I can't climb the roof anymore. Or I would slip and fall off and hurt myself very badly. So uh, now I'm working on things inside the shack, and uh, well. one of the I'll be working. I'll be talking about tonight, which is surge protection, because when we get thunder snow, we need it. Oh, well, hey, that, that's a cool subject, and uh, I'm looking forward to that. And, hey, by the way, you get the snow there. We're, we're getting a little bit of snow here. Uh, it's coming down pretty good out there right now. I don't, oh, know, if you, I don't know if you saw that or not. <laughs> did you that's see that? That's got to be a Tennessee thing. Yeah, yeah. Did, did, did it come through? Did you see my snow? Did you see it, Glenn? Yeah, we we saw your snow, but it ain't come across the state line yet. Okay. Well, this is a hey, the weather here changes just drastically all the time. This is how it was this morning right here. It was really nice and warm, you know. And then and then tonight when the show starts, uh, we we get it like this. So yeah, it, you never know. You never know what it's gonna be like here, man. All right. Well, hey, uh, 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 Brent. Uh, looking forward to talking about uh, your uh, what is it? Lightning protection, surge protection. Oh, uh, surge, surge and lightning yeah, protection. Yeah, yeah. Things might come down the coax. And I've got a couple of things I'll throw in too that I've done here. Uh, you've probably done a whole lot more than I have. Uh, but uh, okay, well, let's uh, let's jump around now. We've got we've got a guest on here tonight with us, Chuck Hurley, K1TLI. And uh, I don't even know where where is Chuck? Chuck, where where are you, Chuck? Actually, I'm uh, in the town of Mansfield, Massachusetts, okay. and I'm about halfway between Boston and Providence. If you uh, went down Route 95, it'd be about the same distance either way. Okay. Very close to the junction of 495 and 95. Okay. Well, that's uh, that's 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 great. You're up there. You're up there where our radio station is tonight. Well, kind of in the same state, you know. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Okay. The difference well, is he has real snow. That, uh, yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, hey, uh, I've, I've looked at your website there, and, and I, hey, I saw I saw a comment in one of the uh, uh, Facebook groups uh, about you and the restoring that you do, uh, and I thought this might be a good segment for us to talk about. I know you uh, work mostly on the EF Johnson radios. You're kind of focused in on those, but but the things that you do are probably applicable to any radio or pretty much any radio. So 
uh, you know, I'm just going to kind of turn it over to you, uh, uh, Chuck, and tell us uh, uh, how you got started in restoring and how did you learn to do it and all that kind of stuff, man. Give us some background. Hey, give us some background about your ham radio, uh, too. Well, let me see. You got two days? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, as a kid in high school, uh, I got my license, and I kept it all those years. Sometimes I was active, sometimes I wasn't. Of course, uh, you know, the trappings of life get in the way, uh, marriage, children, house, and so forth. But about 15, 20 years ago, I got involved with buying a Johnson Viking Valiant, and uh, it didn't work right. But I knew how to fix it because I worked on a radio and TV shop to pay my way through college. And bringing up college, I became a math teacher for 12 years. And in the process of teaching, the uh, principal who knew I could fix things asked me if I could fix the scoreboard in the gym. When I got off the ladder, the athletic director said to me, why don't you do that? That was 50 years ago. And today we have over 3,000 clients throughout New England, high schools, colleges, and professional facilities. So we sell, service, install, scoreboards, video boards, um, message centers, uh, you name it. So that's where I wound up. I went from the academic side of things to the athletic side of things. But in between, I was always mess always messing around with electronics. I also worked in a body shop as a kid. And uh, that gave me some uh, basic training on how to paint. So along with buying that one Valiant to start with, realizing I had never seen these things as a kid, I started to look at the ham fest and saw some more Valiants around out there that needed a lot of attention, both electronically and uh, physically, aesthetically. And so I started to use my painting skills to, um, you know, to restore those faces and found that I could do the Johnson faces. Some of them are very difficult to do, some of the manufacturers, because of engraving and things like that, or actually the letters stand out in some of them. And I've never really focused on those. Uh, I've done a lot of the Collins uh, S line. Okay, so we froze a little bit there. Well, let's see if uh... that was the back. That was the background that got me to where I am. Okay, and cool. So that uh, kind of brings us up to speed, and I've been doing this, you know, and learning as I go, uh, and honing the skills and talking to other people. And it's interesting that every year I do two seminars at a ham fest up in Deerfield, New Hampshire, and it's about an hour seminar, and people uh, come online and follow through, and I, I bring to that seminar, the things that I'd like to bring tonight in short order, just uh, not as extensive as that, but little things that are transferable, as Tom said, from one manufacturer to another. One of the things that I, I bring, and I think it's kind of dramatic, uh, people may already know about it. You go to a place called Michael's, I'm not sure that that's a universal na nationwide company or not, but it's a hobby company up here. And there's a product called Liquitex Acrylic Titanium White Paint. I don't know if you can see that here. It's a little tube of paint. Hmm. And it's pretty thick. And you can take chicken head knobs, any knob that has white uh, lettering or white uh, indentations in it. Um, uh, I guess you could call it uh, uh, dial markings or whatever. I have an HRO 60 here that uh, the, the white lettering had gotten pretty bad over time. And you can actually do that pretty easily without uh, doing any damage to the paint around it. So I've got a kind of poor example here, but I want to show you. This is an ART-13 knob. And if you look at it, you can't see the markings on it. But on the other side of it, where I actually put this paint in, 
uh, you can, I think, see the markings. Oh, man, that is that's beautiful. Oh, that is gorgeous. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's not real good. Well, what you do is you take this white titanium paint and you actually put a little on your thumb and wipe it across, across all the indentations mm -hmm. or anything that you're marking, a chicken head knob, wipe it across the line in the chicken head knob. Let it dry. It's acrylic, meaning it's water-based. Take a small paper towel, piece of paper towel, dampen it. After it's dried, again, rub that paper towel across where you would put the paint. And like magic, the white paint that is, uh, I guess you could say surplus or not required, comes off nicely, leaving a white letter or a white paint in the letter that's indented. So that's one thing I think is pretty cool that you can do that with a knob and make it look like brand new. Um, seems to me that the 75A4 knobs have a pointer mark. Any of those knobs like that, you can do that with. Hmm. Do you need to top coat after you do that to keep it from rubbing off on your fingers? No, you don't. Um, when you take that white, I mean, that paper towel and wipe it, it, uh, it you know, you're going to get some, well, once you get, once you get it on your fingers, you're going to wash it off to begin with. After you've done your, your wipe, you're going to wipe, you're going to wipe it off. Then you're going to wipe white, I call it white paper towel because that's all you ever use. Mm -hmm. You're going to wipe that across. And at that point, you're done. You're taking off all the excess. Well, and it's down, and, in, uh, it's down in a groove or a notch, too, I guess. Uh, you, actually, your finger's not touching it down in that, that groove. No, it's not. And, and the trick is to let it dry enough. Don't be too anxious. And if you think you've let it dry too long, it, you can't let it dry long enough. But I mean, like five minutes. If you do, let's say you're doing eight or ten knobs. By the time you get the tenth knob done, you go back to the first one and clean it up. So it doesn't take much time to get through the whole series of knobs that you're doing. Well, the so uh, anything with the chat room, the chat room's telling us that, that that paint is also available at Hobby Lobby. That's a uh, Hobby Lobby down yep. here. I don't know if you have it up there or not. Yeah, we do. Yep. Yeah. So what was that paint is, again? It's called Liquitex. Thank titanium you. white heavy body and it's only uh 59.95 per tube right <laughs> <laughs> i think it's probably more like five bucks i don't yeah, know yeah that's not bad i can't not it'll bad. Last yeah. if, it's, if it's at michael's or hobby lobby it's five bucks yeah one tube will rest last you the rest of your life <laughs> okay very good uh quick thing let's say you've got a you know, a lens uh, plastic lens and you want to clean it up and make it shine pretty good. Um, this is the kind of stuff that they use on aircraft acrylic plastic windows and it's called 210 polish and you may already know about that. 210 mm. plastic cleaner and polish. So now, is, that, have, is that similar to what you'd use on uh, headlights on a car? You know that you get... I don't know that that's going to solve that problem. Yeah. You're going to have something that's fairly clean to begin with. So uh -huh. Let, let me give you an example. The dial scale on a Valiant or a Ranger or um, any of those Johnson type equipment, uh, they get kind of dirty over time. If you are, are careful, you don't want to take the silk screen side and rub it too much, or you'll rub the, uh, the lettering right off. But if you take a side that's not silk screen, probably the exterior portion of the, the it's plexiglass, plastic mm -hmm. is what it is. You can really clean that up nicely and make it shine and make it look like new. Go easy on the back side where the ink would have been put on and uh, give it a good rub on the front side. 
Um, you can also do things like meter housings with it, and it'll shine them up a little bit. Now, does that have anything to do with scratches or just mainly, uh, uh, you know, dirty, dirty? It doesn't really take out the scratches, mm -hmm. but they do have another product. 210 makes another product that is much more aggressive and will take scratches out. Mm, okay. Um, moving right along, another thing that I use for polishing knobs, and again, this goes for anyone, or any knob, rather, is a semi-chrome polish. And semi-chrome, you'll find, I believe, at Summit, uh, you might even find it in some uh, uh, automobile parts, uh, like uh, advanced auto parts or any of those kind of places. Uh, I don't know if you can really see the name there or not. It's kind of hard to get it all in one spot here. See if I can get it for you. But it's semi-chrome polish. Mm. It comes in a quart can and it'll last you forever. Oh yeah, <laughs> but you, look at that. You can take, you can take a knob from a, uh, a 75A4 uh, Collins knobs, you, uh, any of the chicken head knobs uh, particularly the knobs and the Johnsons, the round ones with a white pointer, and with a soft cloth, a, a kind of a cotton cloth, uh, you'll get your, you'll get a good workout with your fingers getting it all cleaned up, and then buffing it up afterwards on a really clean piece of cloth. You can get some really nice looking knobs uh, that aren't too shiny, uh, and it takes the dull look out of them. Well, you know, we, uh, we, we've got a report here coming in from uh, Australia, and your white paint there is available at Officeworks in, in Australia. Man, you can get that stuff <laughs> anywhere. Good, good. Um, again, moving along, another thing that you can do very easily if you have a buffing machine, uh, soft buffer with uh, some Jewelers Rouge, you can polish things very nicely. I wouldn't do it, I wouldn't do knobs because if a knob gets out of control, uh, and you just catch it the wrong way, it's going to wind up hitting the floor and, and do some damage to the knob. A lot of times, if I'm polishing something, I'll put a, uh, a like a drop cloth down underneath in case I screw up and the thing goes down, it's not going to get broken. But here's one of the things that you can do. You can take aluminum and make it look like a mirror. Now, this is the side cover of a VFO. And one of the, the uh, I guess you could say, trademarks of me doing uh, a Valiant or a Ranger is I'll polish the VFO cover. And I have it off anyways to replace the 15K resistor inside, as well as seeing what's going on in there in the first place. So when it's off, it gets polished. And a lot of times, if I'm taking sheet metal off of something and it's aluminum, I'll polish it and put it back on again. Um, any kind of uh, metal protective um, aluminum piece of uh, gear, you can really make look nice with a little bit of polish. So this is the side cover of a VFO, and uh, you can see how shiny that is. You could almost shave in that. Looks like a mirror. Yeah. Yeah. So that's aluminum that's been buffed. Hmm. And that's aluminum that hasn't been buffed on the other side. Not buffed really well, they put it that way. Yeah. So the other thing is when you're cleaning up a radio, what do you do? I mean, I, I get a lot of them in there they've been in a cellar or they've been in an attic or they've just been out in the garage and they're really grungy. And the worst thing you have to do is to start on something dirty to begin with. So people kind of cringe when I tell them what I do. I take a 50 fixed 50, let me start over again, a 50, 50 mix of 409 and ammonia. I spray it on everything. I'll take the meters off. If there's a meter there, I'll leave the tubes in there. I'll spray it on everything. 
And when I get done or on the process of doing it, I'll take a brush, a small brush, and I'll work it around. I'm trying to get all the grunge off. The 409 ammonia has a tendency to shine the aluminum a little bit to begin with. Then when I get done, I have, an out, I have a hose outside and hot water. I'll hose it down. And I can see that people going, oh, God, this is awful. Can't do that. Well, most of the time with a transmitter, you don't have too much trouble with a receiver. Very, you have to be very careful. Um, you get in some of the IF cans and things like that. You have problems. But the transmitter is pretty simple to do. Once that's done, then what I'll do is in the summertime, I'll first blow it off with sharp air, and then I'll set it out in the sun. And I'll keep rotating it around so it gets dried out really well. In the wintertime, I have a kerosene heater and actually will put the radio on a, oh, like a uh, milk carton, if you wish, milk crate, and set it so that the heat hits it perfectly and let it dry out quickly. So the trick is to get it dried out as quickly as you can. Now you've got something nice and clean to work with, and it makes a whole lot, difference, a lot, a lot of difference in the appearance of it. So, so those are some of the things that I do that I think are transferable to just about any piece of equipment. Well, Chuck, you uh, you mentioned washing them down. I, back in the 60s, when we were starting to get on two meters, we were using the old taxi cab radios. That, <laughs> they weighed, you know, 50 pounds and had tubes in them. And uh, there was a guy here that restored them, and he made them look brand new. And he would actually put them in the dishwasher <laughs> and clean them and clean them in a dishwasher. And, you know, I thought that's kind of weird, but... Uh, it, it worked out well for him. Well, even today with what I do for our business here, we have circuit boards that get corroded. And I actually take them outside and run them under hot water and with a brush clean the corrosion off around all the ICs and whatever else is covered with corrosion. And it's amazing how quickly the greenies will go away. And uh, you can get it to operate very quickly. It'll get it dried out. And it'll be operating, and then just reseal it with some clear coat. All right. Well, sounding good. We're learning a lot tonight. Well, you know, let me show you a couple of instances here. I know we're, okay. I don't want to run over here on time because I know, generally speaking, people have questions, and I'd sure. like to answer those questions. But maybe that what you see will spur some questions. So if you'll give me a second here, I'm going to switch the camera around. Okay. And okay. walk to a couple of. Uh, Spots here. There we go. All right. Oops. Oops. You're back. back. Yeah. There you go. So this was an old Challenger that uh, a gentleman wanted to have repaired. I don't know if you can see it there very well. Let me see if I get down to the level where you can see it. You can see how nice the knobs look, how they shine, yeah. and the pointers. Is that clear enough? Yeah, it's pretty clear. Okay. This guy was 80 years old. This was his novice rig, and he wanted it fixed. So go over here to uh, a dust kilowatt. And this was uh, in a garage, and mice had been living in it. Oh, no. And everything in it was corroded. Three different chassis in here. This one was completely taken apart right down to the frame. And there's a steel tube frame in here. And then everything was all put back together. So every nut, bolt, wire, socket, uh, everything was taken off. And then I took the cabinet. And uh, again, the skills that I learned, you know, painting in an auto body shop came into good use here. And it's a really pretty unit. When you take the cover off, that's what it looks like inside. 
Wow, looks great. And with a flick of a switch, oh, excuse me for having to bend over here, and turn the key on here, it lights right up and it's driven by a ranger. And so here's one of the rangers that I restored here. Now you see the ranger with a clear coat face and the cabinet. I have another one that's, uh, I think better than this. This was several years ago. But that's the uh, test kilowatt. Runs very, very well. The ones that are probably I have done the most of are the Valiants. And here's one here that's been done. Again, you can see the reflection. Actually, you can see yep. me in the reflection, my legs anyways. Yep. And someone would say, well, why do you do that? Why do you clear coat it? I don't have the perfect situation here where I can paint and have no dust nibs get on things. So a way to cure that problem is to get everything done, including a silk screening, and then hit it with a clear coat, wet sand to clear coat, buffs out any of the nibs, and gives you a really beautiful finish. And the cabinet is done the same way. Now, hey, Chuck, I got a question. Do you, uh, sometimes the, the writing on the, the, the front panel is bad. Uh, do you actually silk screen new uh, writing on the on these things that's that's all that's all new graphics so that what i've done is i've stripped it down to bare metal uh -huh. and then primed it with three coats of primer actually actually spot putty the uh, spot walls ahead of time to get the surface absolutely smooth and then it's primed and then blocked and in this case here you paint the entire face gray and then turn around, you can see how it would be silk screen maroon. That's one color. And then it would be silk screen with the green, the logo, and all of the, all of the markings on around the dots. And then once it comes back from having that done, I'll clear coat it. Moving on to another one, one of my favorites to restore, and I've done so many of them, is a Johnson 500. Mm, yeah. And I don't know that, let me get back a little further here so you can see it a little better. So uh, Chuck, let me, let me ask you something, Chuck, I don't know if it's gonna work or not. Can you turn your uh, uh, your phone or camera sideways and maybe we can get a sure wider I picture. I was, that look better? See, there, oh man, now we've got, yeah, now now we've okay. got a, I, uh, a full- My hand's in the way. <laughs> yeah, it is, it is. Oh, oh, oh man, beautiful. Yeah, love okay. it. Now you got the whole picture. Yeah. So I just got to get my hand out of the way here. All right, let me get it. Here we go. There's a little time delay here. So when I move, I don't see exactly what you see. Yeah. So this, I see a little arrow here. I'm not sure what that's for. Oh, that's that's probably my cursor. Okay. There. Oh, here you go. Yeah. And so you'll see the power supply down below here. Uh-huh. And that again is refinished. In some cases, uh, and in most cases, I should say, again, this chassis, chassis because the steel has to be stripped and then replated and then reassemble the whole thing. And in other cases, um, I just did one recently where I had to make a whole new harness for the power supply. So everyone's a little different, requires some more work than others. And uh, a couple of other Notable items here. See the KW1. Mm -hmm. This is serial number 149. It's the second to last one ever made. 
Wow. There are only 150 of them made. And the ones to the left, for anybody that's been in the Air Force or the Navy, you might recognize the URC-32B. Both of these were given to me, and it took me almost a year and a half to get them operational. Single sideband AMCWFSK. And then finally, over here, this was uh, done not too long ago. It's a very pretty Ranger, I think. And you can see all the knobs shine, bright new pointers. I mean, if I had time, I could tell you how to make pointers. I could walk you through it verbally. It's much easier when you see it done. And, uh, and there are several other things here as well, but that's, that's mostly what I've done with the Johnson stuff. I don't know if this is that's of good. any interest to anyone else, but while I'm walking by it, it's a completely operational set. Oh yeah. About five transmitters and receivers, uh -huh. the four receiver rack with the shock mount, three transmitter rack with the shock mount and the MD7 sitting behind it. Cool. All operated by the standard the Dynamotor? radio operators control. Are you using, do you use the Dynamotor to power those or? Uh, on the radio, on the receivers, no. Okay. I've got all solid state power supplies, but they'll run on the Dynamotor anyways. But of course the transmitter has to run on the Dynamotor. Uh-huh. So this is all running on 24 volt DC, just like it would have been an airplane. Okay. Very good. Uh, hey, Glenn and, and Brett, uh, I've had uh, my um, chat room laptop failed here, so I'm not seeing the chat room. So if any questions come up, uh, you guys can relay them to Chuck because I'm not seeing any questions right now. Okay. Uh, one question was, uh, what tube do they use in the output stage of that uh, Johnson amplifier, the first one you showed? The Johnson, you know what? 811s, 813s, I'm not quite sure which they are, which ones they are. I would think they're the 813s in that one. Yeah. I don't quite recall. I'd have to look at the manual. Yeah, those are just gorgeous, though. Now, on your silk screens, do you have somebody make those, or how do you do the silk screen? I'm glad you brought that up. The fellow that was doing my silk screen work for me was just outstanding. He was located in Virginia, and he retired. He had several issues and, you know, fused his wrists and had an accident where an 18 wheel had T-boned him and he said enough's enough. So he retired. So I am looking desperately to find someone to do silk screen. So if you know anybody that does silk screen, and I mean, they almost have to do it from home, onesie, twosies. You know, sometimes they have three or four Valiant faces to do. Right now I have a couple and I have a uh, Johnson 500 face to do. And I always have Rangers to do. So... It's uh, we're having the uh, artwork, I guess, is a, is a major part of it. And I have the artwork in vector format, so I could give it to someone who knows something about uh, silk screening. And I've done it. I just don't want to do it. It's uh, it's an art in itself. And the fellow who did it would make adjustments as he went along to make sure that each and every uh, dial marking was in the right position. Um, if you look at the Valiant, it's straightforward. The Ranger, the uh, painting actually goes around the corners. So that presents a little problem. I have to do more painting on a Ranger face than I do on a Valiant face. 
the Thunderbolt is, is just a monster to do because of that egg-shaped uh, uh, section on the right-hand side for loading. Uh, the Courier I've done. Um, and there's a couple of other ones that I've done a couple of uh, matchboxes over the years. But if I could find someone, and I've been, you know, scouring the uh, woods, I guess you could say, out there, uh, trying to find somebody who would do it. And uh, everybody wants to do 100 on a run. Nobody wants to do two or three. And when you do it, you also have to do the escutcheon uh, around the VFO uh, to put in the, the legends or the, um, you know, the dial markings there as well. So I'm glad you brought it up. I wish I had someone right now because I'm kind of in a, in a holding pattern trying to find people that will, will do that for me. Yeah. You don't want me doing it. I'm not allowed to hold a paintbrush. Mm. <laughs> uh, well, I, Hey, Chuckos, that's some uh, great looking uh, radios there. You've restored. Um, and, uh, it, it looks like you're working on more than just EF Johnson. I know your web, you've got a website that you show a lot right. of your EF Johnson equipment. Let me see if I can get that website up and we'll, we're going to show everybody if they want to go there, they can go there. Let me see if I can pull it up here. If they, uh, if they go to just Johnson radio restore, dot com. That's Johnson, R-A-D-I-O, R-E-S-T-O dot com. They can uh, see some of the uh, photos and, and uh, radios that you've worked on here. You've got a photo gallery in here. Oh, look at that. Uh, look at that uh, wiring harness right there. Oh, man. I mean, <laughs> that's a, that brings back memories. That's a 500 power supply wiring harness. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, Hey, there you go. You're stripping it down to like nothing, man. I mean, there's a lot of bolts and nuts and there, there, woo, there's a lot of stuff here. Oh, that's, that's a pretty kit to shame. That's a pretty, uh, uh, pan, front panel here. Looks like a five R four, maybe rectifier tube there. That looks cool. That's gorgeous. Yeah. You know, when I There's do power one, supply, I, yeah. I actually take the, uh, you know, check all the resistors, the capacitors, whatever. And one thing I'm a stickler about is I make sure I take out all the old leads. I don't cut and splice anything. It's yeah. all going back to the original. Ooh, there's a lot point. of parts right there to put back in. Yeah. Hmm. I guess you have to clean up every individual little part, all the band switches and everything. That Pretty much. That would be some tough work here, actually. Hmm. Well, yeah, when I get through when I get through and I look at the time I spend, I'm working for about five dollars an hour. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow. I think that's just the case. You, you just it's just nice to get it done and look right. Yeah. That's the key is when it's all done, you look at that thing and say that's probably better than it came off the showroom floor. Right. Yeah. Uh, and you know, I like nice things and and I like them to look nice and you know, if uh, someone were to walk into a room and had one of the radios in here, it would almost be a, a, a conversation piece because they do look nice. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Oh, you got a, a several links to different different uh, model Johnsons here. Oh, beautiful, man. So do you, do you, I guess you, uh, obviously you can't just keep all these forever. You must have to sell some of them, right? 
Yeah, you know, I, I do two or three, and then I just kind of sit back and wait for somebody to call and say, hey, I want one. Yeah. Uh, so I got one on the shelf, fine, you know. Um, I don't push it. It just uh, evolves, and it's easy. Do you find that uh, there's a lot of collectors out there that are collecting the uh, Johnson stuff? Yeah, there are. And one of the things you see in these photos is you see the tubular caps in there, uh, like they had done in the old days with the uh, cardboard tube. I actually have those made so that they look like the originals, but not so much because they look like the originals so much as they fit in the real estate allowed to put them in. And, you know, rather than having two separate capacitors and you don't have quite enough room to sandwich them in, I, I have them done like that so they, they fit physically fit back in and look like they were there originally. The Johnson uh, Viking Ranger too. Gorgeous. Looks brand new. Brand it does. spanking new there. Yeah. Hmm. I don't have the patience. Well, <laughs> wow. Hmm. <laughs> But you know, interestingly, you should talk about the power supply cable and building those up. Uh, I've got a couple of Heathkit rigs, and one of them is an HW101 I just recently picked up that's planned to be restored. And it did not have the power supply cable. And believe it or not, there's a guy on eBay that's selling brand new um, kits to make that cable. So um, nice. I don't know if might be able to find some of your stuff on uh yeah on ebay well you know uh you know uh chuck you, you uh, i had some of the same experience growing up as you i mean i before uh for college in the air force um as a teenager my uncle was in tv repair and uh i worked on a lot of stuff there in the tv repair shop uh, that was 50 60 years ago but Glenn, you know, back then, I mean, I, it was like having your own radio shack, man, uh, working in that TV shop. And uh, I home brewed a power supply for the HW100 I had. And uh, uh, I think uh, that uh, Heath Power Supply has a, a octal plug on the back, if I'm not mistaken. It does. It's it's not an octal. It's like an 11 pin. Oh, really? Well, I uh, I built one, but on I the used one. You know, it's... Uh, you know, it was real easy just to put an octal socket in there and take the uh, octal. I mean, you could find plugs in, in, in TVs that would fit that. Or, you know, you could even take a tube base off. And, That's uh, pretty and, much and, what and, they were was and, tube bases. Yeah, and, and use it, you know. And and um, so, yeah, I kind of miss the home brewing. But, uh, boy, but I've never uh, spent the time to refurbish and make look make stuff look new like this stuff. Well, the nice part about having an opportunity to talk to people about doing this is every once in a while, and tonight I already picked up a little something from uh, Glenn about, you know, cables online. I wind up making my own cables and wind up taking a, a sheath from another cable and then pulling wires through to make it look like an original. And it's a lot of work, you know, 500 to do that. Um, and someone recently in a seminar that I had at uh, Neopress here in fall said, uh, I want to say it's a lacquer, lacquer pen, lacquer. Some of you might know out there what it is, but it's a, a pen, a very fine um, pointed pen that you can, uh, lacquer stick is the name of it. Now I know what it is, lacquer stick. And uh, you can actually, I haven't tried one yet, but I guess that works pretty well in terms of re-lettering, some engraved lettering. 
and apparently you can put it on and then wipe it off pretty easily and uh, it would work on some of those finely engraved type of uh, indentations that you couldn't normally use uh, the white white you wouldn't want to use the white paint you may want to use another color well, all right I, uh, so uh, Chuck thank you very much for uh, sharing this with us tonight it was a great segment I think most of the people enjoyed it there were a number of questions and comments that came up and uh, we know where to find that paint now we can get it in Australia and everywhere man that stuff it, that must be some good stuff you can get it anywhere uh, you're welcome to stay with us tonight uh, I, I want to show here hey jump in at any time if you want to yell about something or it was some experience you've had that you know kind of fits in with what we're talking about would love to have you and but if you have to go well, that's, okay, that's okay too you know yeah, Tom, I'm going to have to leave because it's quarter to 10 here already yeah. and got an early start tomorrow morning. But yep. if anybody has a question, you're welcome to email me. You can call me on the phone. My phone number is on the website. I don't mind uh, giving out information. The way I look at it as a former teacher is, you know, I'm passing information on. That's all. You know, if I can help you out, I'm more than happy to do so. All right. And uh, do, you, do you have another website besides the Jobson Radio, R-E-S-T-O dot com? Well, the other one I have has to do with my business, and I, oh. I don't know if that's of any interest to anyone. But you but, but you are you do have one on QRZ, right? I, I, I'm good on QRZ, I yes. Yeah, you're good on QRZ if people need to get in touch with you and so forth. Right. In fact, yeah. I think I think on QRZ, I think the link to this these your your pictures here, your photos on your QRZ page also. If I'm uh, not let me ask you a question here. Yeah, go ahead. Okay. Um, uh, are there any books or anything that you know of out there that somebody could get to learn how to do this kind of a restoration? No, I'm not aware of anything. Oh, well, I, I, I see what Glenn, I see where Glenn's going with this. Glenn is no, an author. No, actually, no. Glenn's an author the for the ARL. Yeah. No, it was actually asked, uh, Don asked it in the chat room mm. about an ARRL book, and uh, that's a suggestion I will pass up the chain. No, I'm not going to do it myself, but I do dabble in, in and want to restore, and it'd be real handy if I could find some books that have got all these little tips and tricks that he's put together that uh, I could learn from. Yeah. Okay. Well, shoot him an email. We know how to get I in will. touch with him. All right. Hey, thanks, Chuck. Chuck well, Hurley. Well, thanks for having me, everyone. Thank you. And Thank you. Have a good evening. Too, yeah, so. Chuck Hurley, uh, K1TLI. Thank you so much, man. Thank you. Good night, All though. All right. Good night. All right. We are back. Uh, that was kind of cool. Uh, man, it's awesome. I'd like to have one of everything he had there. Wouldn't you, uh, <laughs> wouldn't yeah. you uh, Glenn? Oh, they were gorgeous. I'm like, man, I'd love to have one of those to play with. Well, you, you know, know, bring back the old days. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It it would. My problem is, uh, I'm running out of room, man. I'm running out. Well, of room that's here. why I bought up my you know the the rigs from my yeah. novice and early ham years. I want to restore them just so I can you know have those memories again to play with. Yeah. You know, and I mean, I snatched the HW one hundred one up at that uh, day in the park we did back in October. And it looks beautiful. I just can't wait to get inside and recap it and everything. And it, there are places you can go online and get, you know, kits to do the capacitors. Yeah. But uh, 
you know, I, I really, you know, you always want to get those scratches and stuff out of the case. And I like some of his concepts and techniques. Yeah. All right. Hey, while we're talking about old and vintage stuff, I, oh, still, I still have the request. That's you. Yeah. But I have the request out from other day. I forgot to mention this last week. Guys, I'm looking for the All-American 5 radio. Uh, I've got a picture here, some All-American 4. Here's my picture. Uh, I looked on eBay and found a couple, and boy, you? they are proud of those things. Yeah, I, I'm sure they are. Uh, man, I had to. Anyway, guys, what an All-American 5 is, is back in the 50s, 60s, they made a million of these radios. Uh, they didn't have a transformer in them. They weren't isolated. The chassis actually had one side hooked to the power line. And if you got your unpolarized plug in the wrong way, it would electrocute you. And I think there were some deaths uh, caused by that. Uh, but uh, I'm looking for one to, as a show project. And we're going to convert it to a broadcast transmitter, an AM broadcast transmitter. And... Um, uh, if you got one in your basement, your barn, the one I'm looking for basically has the miniature tubes. Although I could do the same with the with the Loctal tubes, the bigger tubes. But I'm looking for a little bit more modern one with the miniature tubes. The you know you got two tall tubes in there, a 50C5, a 35W4, and then three little short 12 volt tubes in there. Uh, that's what I'm looking for. Uh, and we're going to convert that to make it a broadcast transmitter where you can have your own AM radio station. And uh, I'll send it back to you. And uh, you can give it to your kids or some of the kids in the neighborhood. And they can put their own uh, station on and uh, just, you know, don't let them talk too far on it or the FCC might come pay them a visit. But uh, I'm still oh, looking nobody for Nobody listens to AM anymore. Yeah, well, yeah, I don't know. I don't know, but I want to do that. We're going to convert an All-American 5 to an AM broadcast transmitter. It doesn't take any additional parts. We're going to use the parts that are in it, just make some modifications. We only need one capacitor that's really not in the circuit, and we can actually steal that capacitor from some other place in the radio. So we can do it with, with added by no parts. So, hey, guys, if you got an All-American 5, Send it to us, and I'll tell you what I'll do, too. I will even put a polarized plug on it, and I'll make sure the chassis is not on the hot side, so when you plug this thing in, you won't get electrocuted there, you know. And, uh, you know, the neat thing about those radios, they were usually in bake-like cases or plastic cases, plastic knobs, but, uh, boy, I tell you, uh, if, you ever had a, if you ever lost a knob off of it and you touched that volume control knob and you're standing on a tile floor barefoot, and you got that <laughs> plug in. You got that plug in the wall the wrong way. Uh, it'll let you know uh, that it don't take you long to adjust the volume. So I'm looking for an All American Five. Uh, I think my son Chris was down in uh, uh, down near Houston. Uh, has has found one. Uh, maybe yeah, I don't know. He says he's got a guy down there with a shelf of All-American Fives. He just got to drive out there and get one for yeah, you. Yeah, well, you know, I, maybe he's collecting them. I don't know. I, you know, I, I'm going to kind of chop it up a little bit. But, uh, you yeah. know, a lot of people collect those. They're, they're all different. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're nearly, nearly every radio company made an All-American Five uh, back then. So, all right. Hey, guys, let's stand by. we got a lot coming on, going on tonight. Hey, we're going to talk about surge protection, lightning protection. Uh, hey, I've got, I've got an Innovato Quadra here. 
We're going to open this up and just see what come in the bag right here. Uh, uh, lot going on. So stand by, and we will uh, we'll be back in just a, a minute, and uh, we will we will continue with the show here in just a minute. For the outdoor ham who loves poda and soda activations, these radios would be great to put on your Christmas list. The IC905 and IC7300 are your top choices. Explore the world of microwave with ICOM's new SHF Portable, the IC905. This all-mode rig covers 2 meters, 70 centimeters, 1.2 gigahertz, 2.4 gigahertz, 5.6 gigahertz bands. And with the optional CX-10G transverter, it'll cover 10 gigahertz. It has a large 4.3-inch touchscreen, real-time high-speed spectrum scope and uh, waterfall display, Easy digital mode settings, high-performance GPS antennas, and it has full D-Star functions. The IC7300 is a high-performance, innovative HF transceiver with a compact design that will far exceed expectations. This innovative HF transceiver digitizes RF before various receiver stages, reducing the generated inherent noise in different IF stages. This is a radio that changed the way entry-level HF is designed. It has a 4.3-inch touchscreen, real-time spectrum scope, and 15 discrete bandpass filters. Visit www.icomamerica.com for more information on ICOM radios. All right, we are back, and I need to mention one additional thing about the All-American 5, guys. If you've got one out there and you want to send it to me, uh, I, I, I don't want... I don't want the one with the FM on it. I want just the, the plain old AM, All-American 5, the two tall tubes, 50C5, 35W4, 12BA6, 12BE6, and a 12-something, another 6. But anyway, no FM, just plain old straight, plain old straight AM. So send that here. Let's see. Bought two... Okay, Doc uh, Don says he just bought hooked up the the uh, Innovato uh, to an LG 22 inch monitor. Uh, okay, cool. Well, that's what I plan on doing here. You know, guys, I've got um, I don't know why. It just Doc Doc here a couple weeks ago mentioned this on the on the chat room, and I had to buy one. Uh, I've got a Geocron clock right here. This is a this is a Geocron clock that basically, you know, puts the, the clock of the world map up on their thing and I don't know, never had used it much. I used a timer too, but these things are about three or four hundred bucks. I won this at uh, Huntsville. But uh, the Innovato with the Geo clock and everything on it they're running about 50 bucks or less, so we'll talk about that a little later. Let's uh, let's jump over and talk about uh, let's talk about some um, lightning protection, surge protection, and so forth. And uh, I know that Brett protects all his stuff there. So Brett, come on in here, man. What do you got going at your house for protection? Uh, good evening, Tom. Yes, uh, we get a lot of lightning here in Wyoming, and uh, 
Um, so it uh, affects anything that you attach to an antenna with coax that goes outside. And so uh, one of the things that I do is protect every one of my radios to make sure that uh, make sure the input stage doesn't get blown out by a static charge or lightning or anything, you know, anything else that uh, that might come down the coax and affect it. And so uh, what I'm going to talk about tonight is what you can do to do, uh, to do this. And by the way, this is not only handy for uh, for base station radios, it's also handy for mobile radios because uh, mobile radios can pick up a static charge too. Hey, and hey fact, I, I uh, just got to interject one second there. One year we were driving to Dayton, Hamfest. Yeah. And we were north of Nashville. And the lightning was hitting the ground all around us, man. And my buddy had to reach under the dash and unhook the antenna from his mobile rig. Man, that's the first time I ever seen that done. Mm -hmm. Yep. There we go. Okay. Uh, yes, you, you do have to do that sometimes. As a matter of fact, even your tires making contact with the road can build up a static charge on things. And you just, you know, the radio, you know, the input stages of radios are sensitive and you don't want them blown out. Um, another good reason to have a, to have a surge protector on the, on the coax is that, you know, even if you normally ground your, you know, disconnect your radio or ground it when you, when you go, when you leave, you know, when you see a lightning storm coming, uh, you know, they, they can come suddenly and you might have your radio hooked up and not be home to detach it and come back to find that the input stage is fried. So uh, what I'm going to talk about is the kinds of surge protectors that you can put on a radio to preserve it. And if I can do a screen share here, I can show you what the basic circuits are like, and then I can actually show you some real life protectors. So let's see here. I need to find the, uh... there we go. Okay, here we are. I'm sharing screen and uh, we have here um, the, you know, the circuit for the most, for one of the most popular kinds of, uh, of surge protectors. Now, normally what you'll do is you'll get a little, uh, you know, you'll get a, a, a little surge protector and what it will be, I mean, lightning, lightning is, has, you know, is, is very wide band interference, but most of it is very low frequencies. Most of it is somewhere between DC and a couple of hundred kilohertz. And so if you have a high pass filter, on your coax, you're going to block a lot of the lightning. And so one of your most basic kinds of, of, uh, of, of lightning protectors you can get is basically a low Q because you don't want it to tune anything, uh, a low Q high pass filter. And so what you'll have is you will have a, you'll, you'll have a, you'll have an inductor that lets DC and low frequencies go to ground. And you'll have a capacitor that block, you know, that, that blocks the DC again and lets the, lets the high frequencies through. And uh, that's a that's a good way of, uh, of of blocking out a lot of uh, a lot of the potential surges that come down the line. Um, now that's good, but it doesn't necessarily it doesn't really adapt and short things out to ground when you really need to do that. And so some of the higher end filters do a different thing. They'll have the blocking capacitor too, because you don't want the DC to get through to your radio. But instead, what they will do is they will put a neon tube on the input and a neon tube uh, if you're familiar with the physics basically it contains neon which is normal it normally doesn't conduct but it breaks down when the voltage gets above a certain voltage and then it turns into a plasma and as you probably know neon is a is a noble gas which means you've got a full 
ring of electrons around the nucleus of the of the atom there and when you knock all of those electrons out and uh, you're left with you're, you're left with all the ion you're left with all the ions um you know the positive ions um you get this soup which is called a plasma and it is very conductive so the neon tube goes from being non-conductive to being very conductive and it can it can conduct large amounts of current so you can get a very strong hit nearby. You might not be able to handle a direct hit, but you can have a lot of current diverted down through this tube and not going through your radio where it might damage it. So that's a, a very useful thing to be able to do. And then, of course, some radios and some, uh, and, and some antenna setups actually need you not to have the capacitor here. If you have any device on the other end that's run by phantom power, where you're sending power as well as AC up, um, well, sometimes you can't have the capacitor here. So there are also uh, there there are also surge protectors which have just the neon tube. They don't have the capacitor. They they don't work quite as well. But the the thing is, when you're when you don't have a big surge, they will pass DC to daylight. Literally, they will pass any frequency, and uh, you can set them up so that they they know how much power you have and uh, you know when, when the neon tube ought to fire so that you can go up to full legal power um and and not and not trigger the neon tube but still have some lightning protection so i mean let me show you some real life uh some some, some real life surge protectors this is your basic polyphaser coaxial protector. Now, this one has two female end connectors on them. You can also get them, of course, with UHF connectors. I like the end connectors a lot better than, uh, than, than uh, UHF connectors, the PL259 and SO239 as a rule, because, uh, because they have more bandwidth, they have lower loss, and you know they're just they're 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 not a, they're 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 not as kludgy. I mean, a, a, a PL fifty nine is really is really nothing but a banana plug with a shield around it. And so uh, so I I use the ones with the end connectors. But if you don't want to have to use a lot of adapters, or you don't want to have to change your cables. You can buy these with the the uh, PL two fifty nines or well that that will take PL two fifty nines. Now this particular one is one of the uh, is, is, is one of the ones with the neon tube and the capacitor and it is uh, it's capable of taking quite a hit and uh, and and uh, and dissipating it and i have and, and you'll notice that it has this lug so that if you have a if you have a ground uh, a, a good a good ground plate in your shack which serves as the ground bus for everything and you've grounded that uh, very well to stakes on the ground and to the electrical system of your house, you can bolt this on and it will conduct a lot of current to ground. So this is a very useful thing to be able to do. Now, uh, another kind of protector that you, that you may see around a lot, and this is, uh, this is the other kind I was talking about, this is a neon tube only protector. This one doesn't have the capacitor in it. You'll see that, you know, that it says specific wireless on it, but there are lots of brands of this. They're pretty much all made in China. And then the, and then the people who sell them in the United States will put their own brand on them. But most of them are really the same. There's a ground screw on the bottom here. You've got your connectors on the end. Again, these are end connectors. And inside this little cover here, which you can see unscrews, you have this little pill, which is the neon tube and i'll show you what the neon tube looks like i don't know if you can see it very well i'll try to it, it may defocus when i try to bring it close to the camera but this little pill is a neon discharge tube 
and you can calculate the voltage that you want this to fire at. Um, now, of course, you know, uh, power is uh, V squared over R. So what you do is you just make sure that the amount of power that you intend to transmit um, doesn't, uh, doesn't uh, trigger the neon tube. And so if you have, you know, so, so, so if, uh, again, P equals V squared over R, so you take, you, you multiply, you uh, go ahead and work the equation. You take your, you take your power, you multiply by the resistance and take the square root and you can find out what voltage you need, and then you can get the right little pill to insert in that, uh, in that protector to do that. Now, here is another protector. This is one that works up at microwave frequencies, and this is the kind that has a capacitor and an inductor in it. And if you look inside it, it's really fascinating to see what they did in here. This is also a polyphaser brand protector. What they do is they have the capacitor is basically this plate here, that uh, that sits in there and is and has a little bit of dielectric and screws up right uh, screw, screws in here so that it snugs up right against this plate which is the which is the center pin output and then there's a little spiral coil around the outside here and i don't know if you can make this out that is the inductor and that goes to ground and so between the two of these this is this one is this one is actually meant for higher frequencies this is is meant for like two gigahertz um, Wi-Fi. So this, this would be good on something like an Arden node. And so this one is, uh, is very handy if you're going to have outdoor Wi-Fi of some kind. And again, that, that all works very well. Um, I have these on my mobile rigs, um, again, in the car and, all, and, you know, and also I use a mobile rig as my VHF and UHF base station. And I have one of, and I have one of the ones I was showing before. This one, I have one of these on my HF rig. Now, you always want to have a protector with the minimum frequency range that you need for your radio, because that way you get the best possible protection. And so, the companies, and this includes the here's the here's the chart from Polyphaser. You can find this on the web. It shows the frequencies that they work at. And so I'm, I'm going to hold this up because, uh, you know, because that way I don't have to screen share again. It shows all of the frequencies that they all work at. So you can pick one that's VHF or UHF and VHF or HF and say maybe HF and six meters and pick the one that's right for you. And so uh, you can protect just about anything with these. And I strongly recommend that you do it because uh, I've lost radios, unfortunately, to static charges, and I don't want to have to have any more expensive mishaps like that. So are there any questions? Well, I don't see, I don't see anything know, in the chat. Yeah, I, maybe we'll get some questions here in a minute. Um, I'm going to go to a split screen here. You may have to move over to your left, uh, to your right. Just there you go. Oh, um, yeah. So I, I'll uh, add a couple of things here. Uh, we're talking about surge protection. Uh, you know, lightning uh, doesn't always come in the antenna. It can come in other places too. That is very true. And yeah. I've uh, I've experienced both. Uh, I have been when I had a you know eighty or ninety foot tower up. Uh, I've been hit before. Uh, you know, it takes the rotor out. It takes a lot of stuff out up there. But anyway. Uh, I, uh, years ago, I went to just wire antennas and we had a storm here uh, one time, very severe storm. And, uh, 
we got a really close hit. Now, I always keep my antennas disconnected from the radio. That makes a lot longer gap for them to jump, you know, to get the radio. And um, so uh, the, the uh, antennas are always disconnected. But they were always plugged in. And I had a phone patch, and it was connected. But the antennas are off. And you think, okay, I'm, I'm safe, you know. Now, in that neighborhood, all the power and everything is underground. Underground. But, you know, if lightning hits, uh, you know, three blocks down or down the street, half mile down the street to a big electrical center, uh, you're going to get a surge. You're going to get a pretty good surge coming through there. And what I ended up doing, I did this. And, and mine, I'm, what I'm showing you here is not for antennas like Brett has talked about, but I'm doing it for, for the AC line. I got me a typical Lowe's knife switch box. This is the box that, uh, you know, the, the old-timey box has got the, the, the round screw-in fuses. And it's for 220 And uh, let me give you a shot of the inside there. So inside there, you can see it's two fuses. And it's made for, you know, two hots and you're neutral. And uh, that knife switch really opens up to a very wide gap, the, the power there. So uh, I built this up, put it under my desk, and I bring my 110 volts in to the switch. And I'm actually switching, and I'm fusing both sides. I've got the hot on one side through one fuse. I've got the neutral uh, through uh, uh, one side and one fuse. Um, and uh, when I'm not operating, that, that, that uh, knife switch is down, and I think it gives me a, a lot better protection on the AC side of getting a big surge, you know, coming through uh, through the, the power lines. But, uh, you know, you get a very close surge, and I don't care what you've got. Now, I don't think it, it, it in, in this case, it would jump through my knife switch. But uh, before I put this on, uh, there at my home, when that lightning hit, I had a I had a, a wire antenna went across the house. I noticed that uh, the wire antenna was gone. Uh, I went outside, and uh, all I found was little three-inch pieces of it laying everywhere, all up and down the driveway. Uh, and... Uh, it did some damage. Again, like I said, we have underground electric, but hey, it took my my home intercom out. It took my 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 cable uh, cable modem out. Uh, you know the internet and the the TV cable out. Uh, my pickup truck, my pickup truck was actually in my garage with the garage door closed. Uh, it took out my truck. <laughs> now it also blew. I've got a little key. I had a little keypad on the side of the, you know, the garage door. You know, where you can open the garage door. It blew the keypad off the uh, off the wall there, and uh, my truck wouldn't start. And uh, that lightning was close enough that it took out. I, they had to replace every. The dealer had to replace every computer in my truck to get it going. It would not start, and uh, 
So you get a close lightning hit. I don't think there's anything you can do to it other than, you know, be disconnected and, you know, just keep your, uh, keep your radio disconnected, I guess. Now, hey, Britt, do you leave your antennas connected to your radios all, all the time? Um, not all the time, but sometimes I'll, uh, you know, sometimes I'll, I'll, I will leave and not have disconnected them. Yeah. And, uh, you know, there's also, I, I also leave a, uh, because there's a local repeater where there's a lot of, a lot of the local chatter. Um, I'll leave that on most of the time. Yeah, they'll tell me about weather events. If there's yeah. a storm coming in, I'll hear it. And so it's on most of the time. I, I, I will disconnect it if I, if I know that a dangerous storm is coming, um, but even so it's, uh, you know, I, I might miss that. So, uh, it's, uh, yeah, it's, you know, like I said, it's, uh, it's, it's good insurance. So whether or not you normally disconnect, um, and by the way, Tom, you're absolutely right about the, about the surges coming up the power line. That's a whole different uh, thing, but behind me, you can see, I've, I've, I've got a picture of a whole house surge protector and I don't know if you can really see it. It's mm. made by Eaton. And uh, one of the things that I do for surges that come up the power line, because that, they, they do damage things, is I put this on the breaker panel of my house. Yeah, yeah. And this does a real good job of just protecting everything in the house. Yeah, so and I, I've, uh, I've installed one of those here also at the breaker box. But, you know, I just wonder, is, is it 100%? I don't think anything is, is 100%. I don't think a surge mm -hmm. protector at the breaker box can protect everything in your house. All this sensitive electronic equipment, it don't take much, man, to, uh, to you know, damage it. Nothing is 100%. Yeah. And some of the surge protectors can actually be dangerous. I read recently about a ham who had a, who had a, a garage full of wonderful, wonderful old equipment that was restored, and uh, it burned to the ground because he had a faulty surge protector, yeah. um, one like this. And by the way, this is a sort of public service message, message to anyone who's watching. If you have an APC brand surge protector that looks like this, it wasn't well publicized, but there was a recall of these. They actually, they have a metal oxide varistors in them. And yeah, yeah. It, turns, it turns out that after they'd hit, taken a surge, well, they began to leak. And, you know, they're supposed to burn out harmlessly, but uh, they weren't uh, they weren't well fireproofed inside uh, these um, these surge strips. And so they actually set fires in people's houses. So yeah. if you have anything that looks like the uh, the, the surge protector that you see behind me, um, go ahead and take it out of the circuit, cut the cord, let Snyder Electric, which bought APC, know about it. They will send you a free new replacement that's safe. Yeah. Now something cool. else that hasn't been talked about here and that's, and we don't deal with this as much anymore and that's phone lines. Well, um, well, Hey, but Hey Glenn, let me just sorry to interrupt here, but the hit I'm talking about, you know, I said I was underground, uh, you know, I mentioned I had my phone patch hooked up. It actually took the audio circuitry out of my, my Kenwood HF rig. It came, it, uh, it came actually came in the phone line because the power was unhooked, I think. So it must have come in through the phone line, and of course uh, my radio was grounded. So you can see phone line, good path to ground right there through that radio. Oh yeah, I had a Hayes smart modem literally blown off the table because the phone line was still connected. Yeah. And they have a uh, a carbon block out on the yep 
place where the phone line comes in, but over time that will wear out if you continually take strikes. And that's what had happened. And it came in and it literally blew that 300 baud modem across the room. Yeah. There were back in the day, a lot of search protectors had phone jacks and they provide you with search protection for your phone line. Uh, nowadays, not so much anymore because very few people have wired phone, uh, have wired phone lines. Right. Yeah. That's why I say it's not as much of a deal now as it was then, but it's still a consideration. If you do use a landline, be aware that's a, that's a way in. Absolutely. All right. All right. Well, Hey guys, get your lightning protection and surge protection. There's a lot of different ways to do it. I would recommend doing all of it. You know, do it all. Keep your radio unplugged, disconnected. Unhook your antenna when you're not using it. Keep your antenna grounded. Put your surge protector on its breaker box. What else? Now, nothing's 100%, but yeah. you can yeah. hopefully you'll beat the odds. Put Buy the- my upcoming book because it's got a lightning detector that'll disconnect your antennas in it. Yeah. Oh, you know, hey, and you know what, uh, Brett? I do, well, I don't... I don't have my antenna connected all the time, like on HF, but uh, I've talked about this on the show before. I have a remote base here, and uh, actually, um, you know, I turn it on and off uh, through a a little internet app. And uh, when the remote base is turned, when the power supply is turned off, it uh, actually switches the antenna relay and it disconnects the antenna from the radio. That way the antenna is not on my remote base all the time. So uh, there, man, there's all kinds of things you can do there. All right, hey, let's uh, let's move on real quick here. Hey, thanks a lot, uh, Brett, for uh, showing us the polyphasers. I never used one, but uh, I know several people that have, and I uh, assume you're. By the way, by the, by the way, if you want to buy them, uh, the uh, some of the best places, you know, you can go to any of the major ham radio vendors, HRO, Google Parts, uh, DX Engineering, any of those. Um, also, a good place to get them is eBay. There are a lot of people discounting them there. So, oh, okay. Uh, okay. All right. So, um, let me give you guys an update on one thing here real quick. Let me look at something here real quick. Uh, Well, I don't have it pulled up, so I won't do it. Um, I've got a couple of uh, snapshots from pictures here I'll show you. Um, oh, hey, I, I, I forgot to show this on the show with it tonight. Guys, take a look at this picture right here. This is a, this is a, uh, uh, Glenn and Brett and I talked about this last week. Uh, would you climb that tower? Look here, you got a piece of, uh, what is that, a piece of a heliax or something that they've got, uh, tied around the leg with some uh, bailing wire there that's that's a good way to hold it together uh and one leg is kind of kind of rusted out i'd say wouldn't you say it's kind of rusted out yeah yeah just a little bit you know but you know and brett brett noticed that it looks like that's on the ocean here so it's probably some salt water there so either that antenna just didn't have a very good galvanized coating on it or it's 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 pretty old, but uh, that, uh, that 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 leg is missing there, and the only thing holding that leg together is that that uh, hard line. Man, woo! I think I'd at least put some stainless steel hose clamps around it instead of that instead of that. Yeah, wire. well, you look at that other leg, and it's just about as badly corroded. Yeah. Oh man. So, I, I mean, you. you know that that tower is fixing to go the other way here real soon. 
Yeah, well, I don't climb towers anymore. I, I did yeah. when I was young. Um, you know, um, Glenn, I, I actually climbed past a wasp nest one time. Oh, yeah. I used to climb 300-foot yeah. microwave towers and yeah. thought I, I was, you know, invincible. Well, yeah, I, I guess I didn't think it through. You know, you climb past a wasp nest and you think, I've got to go back. You know, the, i got to reverse this thing when I go back, you know. Yes. Oh, man. Woo. Oh, let's see. Uh, the wire wrap is the correct, let's see. That's where the climber stopped climbing. Uh, wire wrap is the correct wrap. No hose clamps. Well, I'm just saying... I'm just saying right now, that wire wrap, I mean, that may be the correct way to do it, but to hold that tower up, that wire wrap, it doesn't have much strength right there if this thing starts kind of putting a little torque to that, you know, right there. And I, yeah, I, if I, you just I, welded some rebar to that thing, it'd yeah, fix it I'd, like I'd, uh, I tell you what, I think duct tape would be stronger than that. Take some duct tape, wrap it around there about eight or ten turns, you know, right there below the, the brake and above it. That might yeah. fix. That might fix it, man. Uh, yeah, at least make it go or, away. Or use a gorilla tape. Gorilla tape would probably uh, do it. You know. Yeah. All right. Let's see. Oh, 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 oh. Uh, pictures, pictures. Okay. W5KUB. Uh, man, it, it, hey, it'll go for a couple of days, and we won't hear from it. I'm thinking, oh man, it's gone down, and then it'll surprise you, and it will uh, pop back up. Uh, yesterday, uh, today it did pop up for I don't know six or eight transmissions. Uh, it's uh, it's right south of Hawaii right now, and um, you know the, the altitude is amazing. We're still right at forty-seven thousand feet. Uh, that's about what it was when we launched it. It's been going now for uh, it's been going now for. Uh, 418 days so we've been flying out 418 days uh, we've gone back north uh, this will be the first this will be the first new lap in the northern hemisphere uh, you know it did only four laps in the north uh, and then it went south but it's gone back north and this will be a new lap around uh, maybe we maybe we can get some red lines up at the top again there now that we're flying back up there so and uh man there's a lot of storms out there we have been uh looking at a lot of storms let me show you some uh, um show you the wind here here we go this is uh you can see the u.s uh there's uh right above here there's alaska here's the u.s right now the um uh, 113 is somewhere down down in here and uh, where i've got the mouse and uh it's showing the jet stream air is around 94 miles per hour, and it's showing that uh, we're going to cross uh, Baja, California there, and then through Mexico, and then and then we'll uh, come across uh, the southern there. But uh, you can see, uh, I don't know, you know, if, if we get in little pockets, you get in little pockets there, and you don't go anywhere. Look, there's an 18 mile an hour right there. You get stuck in that sucker right there. And it, you know, you sit there for days, man. Yeah, uh, but they did survive those storms over in Southeast Asia. They, they did. Week. They did. Here is um, here's a different look at the wind. Uh, again, we are down. Well, there's Hawaii. So we are uh, we are somewhere. 
just south of Hawaii. It's somewhere right in here. 56 mile per hour, it's saying right there. Uh, let's look at let's look at storm. Let's look at uh, high cloud tops real quick. Uh, let's see cloud tops, cloud tops. Let me click cloud tops. There we are. Now there's cloud tops. You can see, boy, back here to the west, there was a lot of storms back there. And let me tell you, those cloud tops were pretty high. For instance, right there. Look at that. Let me see if I can get it on there. Look at. Let me get it on there. Look at there. Look at that cloud top right there, 49,000 feet. We're only flying 47,000. So it came right across through here. Uh, it, it bypassed all these storms. Now, I'm worried a little, I'm a little worried. Well, I think we'll miss this one over here. Right now, there's one there at 40,000 feet. And uh, yeah, 41,800 feet. I think we're gonna go north of that. So that's pretty good. Uh, let's Let's look at storms. Uh, let me see if I can find some storms here. Uh, all I gotta do is find it. Storms, storms, thunderstorms. All right, there's uh, thunderstorms. Again, we're somewhere. We're somewhere right about. I'm gonna move this pointer. We're somewhere right down in here. So there are a few storms out there that. Uh, you know we might have to go through and of course storms are the big killers for uh, uh, for our flight there so uh, let's see oh boy something just happened here okay all right well that's an update on day 5 KB 13 113 it's still flying uh, hey we're about to end the show here in just a minute but let me make a quick announcement here, real quick, for everybody out there. Uh, especially if you're out there listening on shortwave um, on WBCQ 7490. This show is uh, Amateur Radio Roundtable. Uh, it's about ham radio. Uh, we're glad uh, you're listening. Many of us started out on shortwave list as shortwave listeners, just like uh, maybe you guys are doing tonight. Our show is also on uh, YouTube. You, are, you can go to our website, w5kub.com, on Tuesdays from 8 till 9.30 p.m. Central Time, and you can join our show. And uh, for all you guys that are still there uh, watching, hit that subscribe button for us. There it is right there. Hit the, uh, hit the subscribe button, hit the like button, and hit that notify button. And uh, we'd love to uh, uh, have you do that for us. Um, Hey, just real quick, uh, I've got the Innovato Quadra. Let me see if I can get a camera shot on it here. Uh, um, I haven't hooked it up yet. Um, hmm. Seems like uh, some of my camera shots went away. Uh, oh, here we go. Here we go. So um, let's see what comes in the package here. Uh, if I can get this adjusted here. Um, this has got the um, like the geo clock or the the world you know the world map and daylight darkness and all that on there. That's that's kind of cool. So. Um, 
a lot to it here. This is actually this is actually the uh, computer right here. You can see it's pretty small. We've got an Ethernet. We got um, we got oops, what's that say right there? I haven't looked at it yet. AV uh, well, audio video, I guess. We've got um, HDMI right here. We've got the Ethernet here. We've got uh, looks like a USB two here. Power. And then uh, here we got a blue one. We got a USB three here, and uh, it's a pretty, um, pretty neat little uh, device right there. It comes with uh, it comes with um, HDMI, and uh, it comes with uh, you know your standard little USB cable here, I guess to, to plug in plug in here into the little power pack. This is a two amp, yeah, five volt two amp. All right, and then. We've got another, we've got, it looks like a power cord here, but it goes USB. So I don't, I'm not sure about this. Not sure. Is that right? Let's see, five volt. Then we've got another power pack here, a, a, a two amp power pack here for it. And Glenn, you might be interested in this. Look, it came with a little keyboard. I want you to look at this keyboard right here, man. This is a this is a neat keyboard, man. Look at this look at this keyboard. Let me see if I can turn yeah. it on. Let me see if I can turn it on. It looks Bluetooth. Look at this. Look at the keyboard, man. It uh, probably is. I have one like that. Do you? It's uh yep. it's a cool keyboard. Yeah, and it's got uh you see the well see the Bluetooth or there's a little dongle right there. So see the Wi Fi. Find my Bluetooth. Wi -Fi it's on the desk here somewhere. Yeah. It's, it's either Wi-Fi or Bluetooth. It might be USB. Does that uh, does that come out and plug in? Yeah, yeah, it does. It 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 plugs in. So, but that that may convert it to what Bluetooth or Wi-Fi, one or the other. Oh yes, no, that looks like it looks like a Bluetooth little. Yeah, it could thing. be. It could be. Yeah, uh, Bluetooth dongle. So uh, right now it's just there for storage and, um, but uh, cool keyboard. Uh, kind of makes me think like I'm typing on my. Makes me kind of think I'm typing on my phone. Look at that. I don't even know if it's be good. Enough. I mean, you can hook a regular keyboard, a USB keyboard to it, or you can hook a wireless keyboard to it. And uh, uh, I got, I ordered me a new monitor to uh, to use with it. So that's the uh, Innovato Quadra, in case anybody's looking. And this has built in, uh, it has built in the clock in a lot of ham radio programs. Um, let me go to this site right here. Uh, there we go. $35 gets you the complete mini PC for amateur radio and more. Uh, but I, I paid just to go ahead and have all the uh, ham radio uh, programs uh, already preloaded uh, with uh, WSJTX and, uh, you know. Is this like a rig pie? Yeah, I think it it is, uh, uh, but it's uh, it's 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 not a it's not a pie. It's uh, it's uh, there. You can see a picture of the clock, uh, the world clock, and it, and and on the uh, on the on your screen, you can you can uh, program it to have different things on there, like the you know sunspots and DX things, and uh, uh, you know all kinds of different things there in addition to the uh, the the uh, the map there. Uh, that's I think that little thing here's Bluetooth. It says BT on it. That's well, it says Wi-Fi and BT, so maybe both. I don't know. 
Uh, I would say both, yeah. Yeah, maybe both. Uh, there's a desktop right there. You know, desktop looks pretty decent, you know. Uh, and uh, it's got a browser in it, uh, you know, edit photos, images with GIMP. That's Python. Uh, yeah, yeah. Code write your own software. Or, or, our favorite IDE, Arduino. Yep. PyCharm, Sublime, I don't know what that is. I'm not a programmer. It's a little Linux system. Yeah, it's Linux. It's Linux. It's it's definitely Linux for sure. Uh, communicate, chat with anyone through Discord, whatever. Ham radio, WSJTX, Grid Tracker, Ham Clock, JS8 Call, FIDG, WinLink. Uh, it's got all that in it. You know, there are your specs right there. Uh, it's a eight six quad core ARM oh it's okay it's an arm it's an all-winner yeah. yeah this is this is basically a pie from the from those specs yeah, yeah. uh two gigabytes of RAM, 16 gigabytes of ROM 100, 100 megabit ethernet it's got Wi-Fi it's only got the uh, uh the 2.4 uh Wi-Fi it looks like you can upgrade it if you wanted the the five gig stuff. Uh, a micro uh, SD slot. You can put a uh, micro SD slot in there. I failed to mention that while I go. I'll look and see where it is. Um, well, I don't see the slot anywhere, but it's here somewhere. Uh, anyway, but you, there's no need to uh, to put that in there unless you just want more storage. USB ports, it's got two. Bluetooth, it's got an included upgrade kit, HDMI, power, size, heat sink. They say it runs a little warm, so I've got a little fan I'm gonna, about that size, I'm gonna probably set it on a little fan. Enclosure is included. Uh, if, you, if you compare it with Raspberry Pi, uh, here's the quadra price. There's the pie price, 35 versus 45. The case here is included where it's not with Raspberry Pi. Heat sinks included. SD cards not needed. Uh, they send you cables where you'd probably buy them if you bought the pie. Power adapter is included. It's already assembled. Total $35 compared to about $70. So it'd be interesting to see how this thing uh, works and um, you know what i can do with it uh -huh. so anyway okay so um i think we just about covered all the things that we want to cover tonight hope everybody enjoyed the show tonight let's see was a tv desktop originally new flash don says it was a tv desktop originally hmm Oh, okay. The the uh, the Wi-Fi upgrade kit gives you the five gig Wi-Fi. Okay, that's that's cool. All right. Well, again, Don put me on this uh, W A4 YYM. He put me on this last uh, two weeks ago, and I thought, well, I'm gonna order order one, and you know, we'll uh, we'll see what we can do with it. I might set me up a a clock and you know a display over my operating bench over here, and and uh, you know it'll look. It'll look impressive, maybe. All right, guys. Um, let's uh, let's say good night to everybody. Boy, 
Seemed like I'm missing something. It was a real fast show tonight. Yeah, it did go by quick. Yeah. Uh, all right. We'll see you guys next week. Uh, good night. 73, that's Ham Radio Talk. Good night, folks, and uh, we'll, uh, we'll see you next week. Uh, thanks for being with us.